Well, good morning, and please open a Bible to John 20, 19 to 31. John 20, 19 to 31. And that's roughly page 852 in the Pew Bibles. As we get started, I want to first say thank you. Thank you for a great Pastor Appreciation Month. I do feel appreciated by you all every month of the year, every day, every week. Greatly appreciated. But it is great to have this month where so many of you voice these appreciations. So thank you. Whether it's just been a card in the mail, a handshake and a good greeting, or certain gifts, I just, again, want to say thank you. Thank you very much. Today we talk about faith, trust, belief in God, over all and in all things of life, for it is in him and him alone that we find peace. It is in him alone we find life. It is in him alone we find reconciliation, redemption from sins, and life eternal with him in his heaven. Today we see the disciples, Thomas and Jesus. We see in both the disciples and Thomas a model to replicate, but also a model to toss aside. How then shall we live? Well, let's read and then dive into the scriptures together for the applications. John 20, 19 to 31. Please follow along as I read. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. See why you should be at church, folks? <laughs> Just joking. So, the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. All of this, of course, he would have been able to do if he was with the rest of the group. But the rest of the group was also in the wrong, hiding away in fear. So neither one of them were in the right, but there's lessons to be taken away from both. And we'll talk about them later, but let's read on. Eight days, verse 26 now, eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them this time. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus knew what Thomas needed. And he would show it to them. He would give it to them. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not yet seen, have, have not seen and yet have believed. A promise, an encouragement, a blessing to us today. Also just a gentle rebuke of Thomas then also. But overall, Jesus was compassionate to Thomas. He personally came to him, personally dealt with him, personally showed him what he needed. 
to believe, to believe. Thanks for following along. We've been talking a lot about words and phrases surrounding Christ's denial, his unjust trial, his crucifixion, and his resurrection. And today we talk about peace. We talk about life. We talk about belief and faith, faith over fear. You see, words matter, and how we put words together matters. It's not that we need to have fear over faith. We need to have faith over fear, over fear. Faith must be the overreaching thing that covers up everything else. Faith over fear. We must believe. We must believe and find peace in our belief. In the scene we just read, we read of doubt and fear in the life of the disciples of Christ. Have you ever felt doubt before? Fear before? Have you ever been left feeling so defeated that you weren't sure you could make it or that you could go, that you go into hiding behind closed locked doors just to retreat, to find silence, courage? I imagine you have, as I have as well. And these are similar feelings. The disciples were obviously experiencing in our passage today. They were probably working hard to process the reality that Jesus was crucified, killed, and all their hopes and dreams for redemption were lost with him. They were struggling. Maybe they heard the announcement from Mary, Jesus, his body had disappeared, but they still feared, they still struggled to understand what is happening here. And they were crippled, crippled with fear. But truth is, as hard as fear and doubt might be, as crippling as it may seem, spiritual growth and maturity and faith often come through such times. Through such times as this. Speak to any missionary and they will tell you that they see many come to know Christ and grow in, the spiritual, in their spiritual maturity through such times as fear and uncertainty. This does not mean that fear and doubt must control you, though. But it also does not mean that it cannot help you. Studies have actually shown that individuals who experience doubt and fears about their religious beliefs are often moved towards greater spiritual growth as they work through it. And in today's scripture, this is definitely true. As they work through their fear and doubt, their face is literally changed, grown, as Christ displays himself before them, scars and all, and despite locked doors, he says, peace be with you, peace be with you. But in today's world, Christ does not physically show up in our life. Not the same way as he did for the disciples, at least. But it does not mean that our faith does not still grow through struggles, through fear, through doubt, because Christ still works within us. The Holy Spirit works within us. In today's scripture, the disciples are greatly changed. They're moved from fear, from doubt to gladness. And then they're sent. In John 20, we get a front row seat. While the disciples not only overcome fear and believe, but are sent out. They're commissioned, sent by Jesus to go and share their testimonies. And it's a powerful passage with great application. So let's jump back in and dive deeper. In verse 19, we read, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. 
When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. When the disciples, then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. You see, in the confusion, in the aftermath of Jesus' death, the disciples find themselves together in a locked room. They're scared. They don't know what to do. And it doesn't appear that they know Jesus had already revealed himself to some of the others. Or maybe they know, but they're still crippled by doubt and fear. And that's when Jesus appears into the locked room, into their fear, and blesses them with peace. Now, we don't know if he just, if he just miraculously just appears or if he slowly but surely transitions his body, his self, through that door. We do know that he has a physical body. We know that he could be touched. We know that he could walk on water. We know that he could eat later with his disciples. It's a physical body, but his glorified body here is not limited by the physical things. This shows us his glorified body, despite physical, is not limited as ours. And ours someday will not be limited either. We also see him showing the scars. Now, why does he have scars in this glorified body? There's numerous different thoughts, but I believe, and a lot of other biblical scholars and theologians and pastors believe, these scars are to stand as reminders for all of God's people for all of eternity, just how far God went and Jesus went to show us his love, to give us redemption, reconciliation. For all of eternity, we'll be able to see those scars and know this is how much he loves us. This is what he did for us. I don't believe we have the same types of scars in heaven. We have new, glorified, perfect bodies. But Jesus will have this as a reminder. Jesus will have scars. And this served also as Evidence as proof to his disciples right then and there of who he was and what he's done. Why they now have peace. Peace. Before talking about this peace, let's talk a little bit more about fear, though. You see, fear's control keeps us from acting faithfully, but it need not be so. In fact, it's after they move from fear to gladness that they're commissioned by Christ and sent out to do his work. This is but one reason why the Bible also talks about fear so often. In fact, the Bible contains over 300 do not fear type references in one form or another. Depending on the translation, you might find enough do not fear scripture passages for one for each day of the year. You probably have some favorites, I do. Such as Isaiah 41.10, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Why do I share this with you? I think it's easy for one to critique the disciples, their fear, their doubt. But this is nothing new. We too often get crippled, crippled by our fear. And we lock ourselves away behind closed doors or away from following God's direction and call upon our life. And it's in these times, it's really in all times, but in these times especially, we must have faith and not fear. I am no exception. I am no exception. This week I got news from my brother Mike's follow-up with his doctor about his cancer. That the word hospice was brought up. 
They still have a few more treatments they can try, but it may be coming near the time when hospice will be called. But despite this, we have faith, and we do not fear. For we know that our faith isn't in the fact of whether or not his body will be physically healed in this time. Our faith is in the fact that we know that his body and soul are healed for eternity. It's in the fact that we know that we have faith that God loved us so and desired us to have such reconciliation, redemption from sin, reconciliation back to his side, that he gave us Christ, his body crucified, raised again, conquering our sin, being victorious over death. We have faith that we will live forevermore with him, and we need not fear, for he is with us. You see, we need not fear, <clears throat> but trust in God. And in his sovereignty, have faith in this. God is God. We are not. He knows what he's doing. And he is with us to bring us into his presence forever. After the death of Jesus, the disciples were fearful. Might what happened to Jesus happen to them next, they probably thought? Might they be the next ones to be flogged, to be crucified? Meeting behind closed doors probably seemed like a pretty good idea, and locking it also seemed like a good idea, especially as the disciples tried to process what was happening and what to do next. Let's be honest, even if they had some type of understanding of the risen Jesus or the missing Jesus, their fear of what others could do to them could be crippling. Think about your own lives, how often you're scared away and crippled. But then, then, in a room full of scared disciples, Jesus gloriously manifests himself, displays himself, and speaks peace. Peace. And this brings us to point number two. Jesus speaks peace into the closed, locked doors and rooms of our lives. Jesus speaks peace to fear, to doubt, to discouragement, to all of it. Jesus speaks peace, reconciliation, redemption from sin. And the disciples are glad to hear, to see their Messiah. Before moving forward, I want to talk a bit about Jesus' greeting to his disciples here. Notice Jesus' last sights and memories could have been these very disciples denying him, fleeing his side. And yet his first words are not ones of condemnation or wrath, but peace. Let's look to, at the scripture here in verses 21 to 22. Jesus said to them, peace be with you as the Father has sent me. Even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, I don't believe, and, and most, most um, scholars I feel, not all, but a lot of them, also do not believe that this means that they had the Holy Spirit at this time. I believe that it was a symbol of what was coming. And I believe that Jesus breathing onto them is also reminding them that just as God breathed life into Adam, this breathes life into them. New life. The Holy Spirit is coming and will equip them to do great things and to hold their lives together with God. But on top of this, it also has this comment about forgiving sins. 
And withholding sins, why I don't believe this, is saying the disciples themselves have this power to forgive sins. This is only through the blood of Jesus. This is only through confession of Jesus as Lord. But what it is, is it's us as disciples, Holy Spirit led, able to proclaim that forgiveness of sins is found in Christ, in Christ alone. Through faith, you are saved. Let's move forward. Notice Jesus speaks peace to them, not once but twice. Why? Could it be that they needed to hear it a second time? Absolutely. Could it be that they needed to see that Jesus was not sending them out with a message of fear and uncertainty, but peace, life, and good news of his resurrection and redemption? Yes, absolutely. I believe that the first peace was speaking of a spiritual peace of reconciliation, redemption, a peace with God. He says, peace be with you. Look, here I am, and this is what I have given to you. But then second, the second peace is a peace of filling for those in fellowship with God, a strength in faith and belief. He's telling them, you need not fear. Look, have peace, have peace. Let's move forward. Seeing is believing Jesus appears to Thomas, and he believes, and he believes. I'm sure you've heard the saying, seeing is believing. Well, Hebrews and 2 Corinthians give us a different picture, and Christ will too here in John 20. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And 2 Corinthians 5.7, For we live by faith, not by sight. <clears throat> it is with this in mind that we talk about the next section of John 20 together, verses 24 to 29, if, you're having, if you have your Bibles open still, we see the scene of Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe eight days later. His disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them this time. I think he didn't want to miss it if Christ came back. Deep down, he had this feeling, look, they're right. They know what they saw. Look at their attitudes. Look how their lives are changed. Look how they do not fear anymore, but are living with gladness. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Again, he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In this section, we're introduced to Thomas and he has his own doubts about whether Christ had really returned. He may not be fearfully locked in a room, but he's fled. He's fled. Maybe he went back home. We don't know, but he's gone. He's hiding in his own little way. We do this too. When he's told by the other disciples that Jesus is back, he essentially says, unless I see him, I will not believe. For Thomas, seeing is believing. It's easy to see Thomas's response and judge him. But remember, the others were locked in a room in fear until they saw Jesus. At least they were standing together. Also, it's easy to judge, but how would we respond in a similar situation? Thomas had doubts, as many of us do. But for him, Jesus answered his doubts personally. Personally. In verse 26, 
We read that Jesus returned with a blessing of peace for the disciples. Look at the scripture here. Jesus had a personal response for Thomas. He was gentle and kind with Thomas in the midst of his doubt and skepticism. You see, Jesus knew exactly what he needed, and he dealt with it. He dealt with it first. Thomas's belief was of utmost importance to Christ, and our belief is important to him too. The entrance of fear and doubt into the life of a follower of Christ is not a problem. The problem is when you do not hand over its control to Christ and believe that he is enough. Thomas will believe. In fact, he believes and proclaims his belief with a powerful declaration. He calls Jesus my Lord and my God, recognizing Jesus' power over his life, but also recognizing his deity. Jesus personally displays himself to Thomas and he believes. But for the rest of us, see that we, we are left with this very specific encouragement in verse 29. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. For us, we must not learn to walk by faith. I'm sorry, we must learn to walk by faith and not by sight. Now, I'm not saying that God does not do great and magnificent things for us to see. We see his work all around us every day. But we must still walk by faith, not by sight. We may not know what is happening, why, but we do know to trust God. Do not fear and have faith. Step out in faith and see how God works, for he is working. Those who trust in Christ and believe, they are blessed. He might not show up in the middle of our living rooms like he did for the disciples, but we know he's always available. And with his availability comes great strength. Remember Christ's presence. He said, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Have faith over fear. With Jesus, we can have peace. We can have strength for whatever's coming our way. And the certainty of life eternal with God. So finally, number four, move from doubt and fear to a blessed life of faith. For many of us, doubt is a part of our story. We'll hear this. Jesus isn't scared away when we have our doubts, our fears. He isn't threatened by our questions. He doesn't get defensive when we push back. To the contrary, I believe that our passage teaches us that he comes to us offering blessings and peace and shows his scars to remind us why we can have faith in him and be glad overcome the fear with faith we have reminders of who he is and what he's done so do you have doubts peace be with you come to him do you have frustrations peace be with you come to him and see his work are you discouraged peace be with you do not fear come Are you tired and weary, overwhelmed by the chaos and complexity of the world? Peace be with you. Come. Jesus meets us head on and offers hope, mercy, and eternal life with him. Be moved from fear to faith, doubts to life and trust, just like the disciples did in John 20. So what are we to do with life, the life that Jesus has left to us? Be like the disciples. Thomas included, after the scene, they are bold, confident, full of faith, strengthened by the appearance of Jesus in their lives. They go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus. Repentance, redemption, reconciliation. They are controlled not by fear or doubt, but faith in God and Christ. And they go out as commissioned. 
they go out as commissioned. Thousands come to faith. And then millions would come to faith because of those first disciples and what would come generation after generation after generation. Disciples then and now are sent off with the glorious message of redemption and reconciliation with God. Let's do it. Go. We're to teach others the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus. Empires fall. Countries fall. But those who stand with Christ and follow him, those who confess Jesus is Lord and God, they will stand forever. So share your faith with someone this week. Be kind to someone in the midst of their doubts and discouragement. Offer a greeting and message of peace be with you. Jesus is sending his disciples. Jesus is sending us. Go, go, go. We must have faith over fear. Believe in Jesus and the power of his resurrection and be sent. Continue his work. Don't be locked in closed doors. See Christ, his work, and get out. Before I close, I said there was application from the group of disciples and Thomas. Here they are. Two quick closing points. One, you cannot stay locked in a room even if together you must go. The disciples were together in a locked room. It's great that they were together supporting each other, encouraging each other, defending each other. But we're not commissioned to stay behind locked doors forever. We must go, go, go. Number two, you cannot roam the earth alone. We need each other as well. This could be another way that Thomas was just exhibiting his fear for us all. He was roaming. He was fleeing. He was gone. And he was most likely alone or he went home to hide. He did a good thing in that he went out. But he wasn't doing what he was supposed to be doing. Don't roam the earth alone. Do it together. Get out of your locked rooms and together proclaim the good news of redemption and God's love of and through Jesus. And speak the do not fears and peace be with yous of scripture into your life and others. And others. We need these reminders, people. We need these reminders. Let's close in prayer now. Lord God, we thank you for your great love. We thank you for Jesus returning from the dead and appearing to his disciples. We thank you that through Christ and Christ alone, through faith, we have life forevermore and a great strength to not fear. But rejoice, be glad, and go out. It's in your holy and powerful name we pray. Amen.